Matt. Hey, hi, Rich. <laughs> What's up, buddy? Yeah, man, welcome. Nice to see you, again. you too, brother. Um, welcome to the Rich Life Podcast. I'm like super excited to have you on. We were just talking earlier. You know, we met at the Bigger Pockets Conference in New Orleans. Actually, it was, on, and I forgot, so my bad on that, but it was actually on the plane because you reminded me. Yeah. But you you are a fellow real estate investor like myself. Um, obviously, you were at Bigger. By the way, I'm going to, are you going to be going to the um, the next one in San yes, Diego? I'll, I'll be there in October. Yep. Hell yeah. yeah I'll see you there then. We're, you better awesome. hit me up. I will. I will. <laughs> okay. Awesome. So yeah. for those of you who, for those that are listening that don't know you, and by the way, real quick, I'm going to give you the recording after too. So um, for those that don't know you, I'm going to just kind of um, read your bio, which is very impressive, by the way. Um, you know, it's, it's really cool. You, you do quite a lot. And um, maybe somebody that hears your story today will be able to resonate with that. Mm -hmm. And they'll be like, oh, cool. Like he does, he's like me, you know, and I could do that too. And like, you know, that's what I love about these, you know, telling people stories. Um, not only is it inspirational for me, but it also um, inspires other people as well. Cool. So Matt Yarrington, Yarrington, did I say it right? Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry if I screwed it up already. Oh, right. A cultural anthropologist, which is badass, by the way, college professor, an overseas US diplomat. That got me when I saw that. I was like, whoa, I need to learn more about this guy. And now a business owner. Um, this guy right here is an Instagram sensation at Too Late for Real Estate. <laughs> which I remember talking to you about, like when you mentioned that to me, that was kind of like a jarring moment for me where I was like, dude, you're not too late. Like, you remember that conversation? Yeah, that we had? totally. Totally. That was like a few weeks after I put too late for real estate online. So yeah, yeah I think I was walking around saying I have 50 followers. Please, please. Do <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. No, it's good. So I, so I think you're going to resonate with the folks that are um, it says that you turned 50 this year. Congratulations. Do, um, not, not yet. Still in my forties. Oh, okay. Okay. So you're 49 now. Nope, I am. Okay. So you're going to turn 50 this year. When is your birthday? Halloween. Oh, damn, bro. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that, you know, for the, for the 40, forties and 50 year olds like this, this is going to be huge, you know, because they're going to understand where, you know, your real estate journey, your, you know, where you're coming from, like how you started that sort of thing. So that's kind of what I wanted to start with here, just like a brief background of you and how you got into real estate. Awesome. Okay. Well, thanks, Rich. Thanks for having me on. And thank yeah, you man. for putting out the uh, quality inspiration on mindset that I've been <laughs> uh, feeding on. Thank you so much. Of course, brother. And also for your effort to have us on, on your podcast. It's really awesome. And, and some of the great people you've had recently. Um, how did I get into real estate? So I, as you just mentioned in my, in my abbreviated bio, I've done kind of uh, overseas nonprofit work as well as um, anthropological research led me to want to go back to, to grad school. And so it led me to do a PhD and that, you know, in, in really in South Asia and in South Asian cultures, as well as Islamic cultures. And then um, teaching in universities after that was a natural fit. And then I enjoyed being a college professor, but you know, wearing my tweed jacket and biking to campus and being called Professor Yarrington, plus the engagement with the students was really, really fun. And probably one of the things I've liked the most in my life, but I felt like I was retired already and it was too easy and I needed a challenge. And so I um, took something called the foreign service exam 
which a lot of people may have heard of. And that's how you become uh, a US diplomat. And then I passed and then I got a job offer. And then I spent 12 years um, as an overseas diplomat in different countries in, in capital cities and in, um, and in, uh, in US embassies working on mainly economic policy. Uh, during wow. COVID, your question. Yeah. During COVID, like all of us, we all got jarred. We all got moved somewhere. We got evacuated. Uh, found myself in a cabin in, in the mountains of northern Georgia for a space of time. And somehow, I don't remember how, I started, you know, someone directed me to Bigger Pockets. You know, I started ordering books and reading probably 10 or 15 books that first year, that COVID first year, and then um, and got bitten by the real estate bug. So that was really only what, 2020 or 2021, right in there. Yeah. And, uh, and so, I mean, we could talk about our favorite books, but I'm sure we've read most of the same ones. Yeah, yeah. And, and so tell me, so yeah. you were, how long were you a professor for? What that was, was, you know, uh, only two years as I was the last two years of my PhD and I was an adjunct. Mm. That's where the colleges and universities, they really like adjuncts because they pay you, but they don't have to commit to you. They pay you on a course basis. Mm, right. Like half of university professors at most universities are adjuncts, but the students don't necessarily know the difference, but you're not like a long-term professor. And then, so the transition from professor to diplomat, which is really cool, by the way, like the, I've like, that's really interesting to me. And you said you were overseas and how long were you there for? I mean, I've, I, it's usually two to three years in any given country. I've served okay. in Saudi Arabia, in Bangladesh, in Honduras. I've spent time in oh Jordan. Gosh. Uh, and then a few different times in Washington, D.C., because sometimes you have to spend time time uh, serving in, in the main office. Yeah. And then so just kind of like like piecing through the story here. Now, once you decided like during COVID, that was sort of like the catalyst for you to make the change into or to start looking into real estate and listening and putting into your mindset of, right. hey, I can't I'm not going to do, you know, quote unquote, the nine to five forever. I want to. Mm -hmm do my own path. I want to like kind of go my own path. Um, so tell me about like your first like deal that you were looking at. Right. Yeah. And you said you were in Georgia, right? So actually got, we were able to go back to our post in Honduras. So I was actually in Honduras um, mm. for, for my first deal. So what happened was, and the timing is a little bit fuzzy. Actually, it was right before we got evacuated. So I was in Honduras uh, in the capital in Tegucigalpa, reading books, and I probably was probably my annual plan, you know, my New Year's writing down goals and everything, which I really uh, have always done. And so I bought Sight Unseen, a, um, a beach rental duplex in the Outer Banks of North Carolina. If you've heard oh, yeah. of Nags Head, Kill Devil Hills, and Kitty Hawk, that's the area. Yeah. And, um, and so I, I strategically took, um, some vacation time. So this was just be, this was be, before COVID got going. Actually, this was in February and COVID hit in March. So I actually came, took strategic vacation days, which is one of the things I talk about in too late for real estate for mid-level and advanced professionals. One of the advantages they have is the use of vacation time. I came to the I came to the Outer Banks and signed on that property and took possession, set up an Airbnb in three weeks, 
um, created a team and you know what that means. You know, you put together your handyman and your HVAC people and your other people, your cleaning team, get it all trained, plus all of the Airbnb online stuff, setting it up. And then um, went right back to work, went right back to, to Honduras and was able to successfully run my first season of that property um, from afar. So that, that wow. helped me get systems down. So, I mean, for somebody listening that, and I know a lot of people that will come to me and say, Hey, Rich, like I want to buy real estate, but my state is not good for that. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, not landlord friendly or whatever. So what, what advice would you give to somebody that is kind of stuck, like stuck and hung up on, you know, investing out of state or looking into another area to buy property? Well, I mean, if they're looking and that's their goal, they should do it. Um, they could practice by doing it within a two hour radius of their house. If there's a state border, if there's a market they're interested in, I like the, I like being able to reach my properties yeah. and I like forcing myself to set up a team and be long distance. Hmm. Actually, I moved to the outer banks, um, six months after that and continued acquiring properties. But it was nice that I never had to go visit that property if I didn't want to. It's it's really a bad temptation to go visit, <laughs> and and it's a it's much better. And and people smarter and and who've been doing this longer than me have talked a lot talked at length about about um, forcing yourself to try to be long distance and then and then because the long even the medium term goal the short the short and medium term goal is to not create yourself another job right. Mm. And, and we don't want to do that. I want to move on to other types of real estate, or I want to uh, scale the portfolio beyond what anyone could do if they were really checking on um, leaky faucets. Yeah. yeah. The challenge, I think, though, is when I, so there is that upfront work that you do have to do that mm -hmm. most people are like, oh, it's just passive, right? Like, no, you have to like really build out the team. You have to look at the deals, choose a, you know, choose a market, look at the deals, run the numbers. So tell me about like why you chose that market. Like, what was that? Like, what was the, the reasoning behind that? And how many other markets did you look at first before you really went into North Carolina? So I had been coming here for almost 15 years, um, just wanting to vacation here. I love uh, saltwater sports. I like windsurfing. I like um, saltwater fishing, both um, deep sea and inshore in the bays, uh, very different types of fishing. Um, I, I just love saltwater anything. So um, I'm also a diver, but we don't really dive in the Outer Banks as much. Um, so that was natural for me. I was familiar with the area. A uh, little tiny bit of, you know, research. I didn't look at other markets because I just wanted a place that I loved already. Yeah. So there was a natural magnet for me. But having lived in D.C. and knowing enough people from New York and New Jersey and other big markets, the Outer Banks is basically in a lot of people's, like, the back of their mind. Mm -hmm. uh, what place is... Um, within a day's drive of 80% of the East Coast population and 100 million people. That's one of the uh, tourist board's questions about the Outer Banks. So, I mean, that's a very big market. There's people who have been coming here, you know, since they were little kids. And so it's, it's got a real pull. And then the other thing, I mean, we could talk all day about real estate markets, but it's limited in terms of the, of the product, the real estate product that can come online here. You're on islands. Yeah. And, and um, so while there is a little bit of building going on, there will never be enough room to catch up to the demand. And there's a local uh, crisis in 
year-round rental demand as well. So mm. another thing I talk about when I talk with folks about their strategy in the Outer Banks is the viability of trans transitioning any property you would have. You know, we talk about multiple exit strategies. So, so to transitioning a Airbnb rental to a year-round rental is something very, very viable here in the Outer Banks. Okay, so so were you initially like, hey, I want this as like a vacation home for myself or were you just like heads in like yeah. I just I just want to live there at some point and have this as a backup potentially but make money while that's happening and have appreciation and cash flow like what was, was the mind what was the mindset that you that you it had? was definitely a real estate play and okay. then I didn't know where my personal situation was going to go and then my job went virtual for the next three years mm. I was able to arrange that I didn't expect it and then I was able to arrange that and then I knew, I knew it was all bets are on because we're going to move there. And I, we bought another home sight unseen before we got here. Yeah. We already had the Airbnb. The first Airbnb was, was flowing um, uh, two units. And then we bought another duplex and we came to make it our residence. So when we transitioned uh, later that same year, and then um, soon, soon after that filled the uh, other unit with a renter to house hack. And we've since acquired a third duplex here. Um, again, so thank you. So in 13 months, uh, those three properties plus a stake I have in a commercial property, I was able to put together a $2.1 million portfolio in 13 months. Um, awesome. That, that was jumping in kind of both feet first. Wow. Um, so that, dude, that's amazing. Congratulations on that. Thank you, Rich. Just take a moment to like, <laughs> you know, to really to really think about like how far you've come with that, because the hardest part I think for most people is just doing the thing. Yeah. Right. And so you, you went into it somehow in your mind, like you convinced yourself, like, this is what I'm going to do. And you intentionally went after it by buying that Airbnb. And you were like, okay, I know what I want to do. I love this place, Outer Banks, who ha which happens to have a TV show too. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's a perk. And by the way, they actually film in Charleston, not in the Outer Banks. Where that's I live. what I, I've heard yeah. that it's in South Carolina. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. So anyway, that's a, that's like a side thing, but that's crazy. We're connecting up that, the two <laughs> with that show right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, dude. So um, clearly like this is your jam, right? Like you're, you're super pumped. I could see the energy when you're talking about the Airbnbs and like, you know, and all that. So like what fires you up and like, how did you get so crystal clear about that in the beginning? Because I like, I get people that call me a lot and they say, Hey, Rich, I want to buy an Airbnb or Hey, Rich, I want to buy a rental property, but then they don't do the work. They don't do the thing that I asked. I can literally tell somebody step-by-step, step, like, here's how you buy a property. Here's what you need to do. Step-by-step. Step. Here's the blueprint, go do it. And then they just don't do it. <laughs> so tell me what compelled you and maybe it's age, maybe it's, you know, your career, whatever it was, your family, what was that driving factor that fired you up to be like, I'm going to look at deals. I'm going to find the place. I'm going to buy the property. I'm going to close on, I'm going to learn everything I need to fucking do, excuse my French, to do this. So what was it for you? For me, I'll just tell you, it was freedom, right? I wanted my freedom. I wanted to do what I wanted to do on my time. Right. So tell me about how you thought about that when you were doing that. I think it's probably a combination of the good mentoring that I received from the networks that you and I are part of, um, including bigger pockets, but not just that, just some of the good input. Um, you can, you can probably hear certain, um, 
certain figures and, and personalities that we both know saying, you know, you got to take action. And that's, yeah. that's part of the difference. Um, but I think it's a part of my personality is to take action. It's, it's something like I came out here after last year's bigger pockets, um, conference. And just because of a couple encouraging words from others, I started the outer banks, real estate investors meetup. Nice. There wasn't one. I, I tried to join one. I did my research. There wasn't one to go to. And we haven't missed a month since last year. So we're coming up on 12 months of, of monthly meetings. It's been a, a real joy. Um, and I've met great people out here in the Outer Banks as well. People who are investing uh, at all levels. People in front of me and people who are just getting started. So it's exciting. So probably that. Uh, I am an action taker. Um, so can I, can I just pause you, pause you for one second? So yeah. what's really important to me based on what you just said is so you're I like meant and I'm very mindset like I think you know this by now right um you're identifying you have created an identity of being an action taker mm-hmm. right is, I am I so. am I clear on that like yeah. is that is that something that am I like or or am I just kind of like whatever so my one of my best buddies in our in our uh in our outer banks real estate investors meetup goes around saying dang, man, you just, you just take action. He's like, I wanted to, I, I've been saying I'm going to start the Outer Banks real estate investment uh, meetup for, for a long time. And you just came back and just did it. So, I mean, that's just an that's example. It. But he, he says that about me. I don't know. I listen to other people about me rather than try to, <laughs> try, you know, I mean, I think it's a good, ref, it's a good to have a reflection of your, yeah, theory, yeah. Right? To, to tell you a little bit more about yourself. But, um, but that, and then what you said, I think time freedom is probably my number one motivator. Mm. time freedom seeing that future in which i'm doing what i really enjoy all the time um and then obviously the financial freedom i don't dream of riches but i dream of that that time and geography freedom Mm. so that if i want to go you know you you name it um go to spain for a month or or whatever it is there's there's really no barrier it's not a maserati it's not um (laughs) yeah so no, that's great. Cause I, I think a lot of people can resonate with that. And like, no matter what age they are, because, you know, like I just turned 35 this year and in mm. my mind, in like, when I was like, I would say like in my early twenties, I, I knew that there was something, you know, for me to do for myself. Like I knew I had to do something for me to have the freedom of time and money because that's all we have at the end of the day is the time, you know? So that, that's kind of what I wanted to, wanted you to kind of talk about like tell me more about too late for real estate and kind of the branding behind that because it's like i told you this it's never too late to start no matter what age i have some you know customers and clients that are in their 50s 60s as well that i have to constantly remind them and say hey listen you're not too old to do anything you know it it could it'll take you maybe five to seven years depending on how quickly you can get cash and put that into a property to like really become financially free but if you have the clarity you know you can do it and you it sounds like you did it faster so that's cool i want to know more about that so others can hear so tell me okay so yeah so too late for real estate is an instagram page and it's a branding and it's a facebook page and really i just put out there what i'm working on projects i'm working on and do it in an encouraging way sharing uh, hopefully gold nuggets of information as i go you know, pitfalls to avoid um, when you're investing. And I use whatever I'm working on. So that's the Outer Banks right now. And that's um, 
um, short-term rentals. Um, I like to highlight the benefits of being a mid-career and late-career um, professional hmm. just discovering real estate for the first time. Um, that's where I found myself. Unfortunately, it could have been 20 years earlier, but this is when I discovered real estate and, and I got, uh, extremely excited about it. And so what are those benefits? I mean, um, I, mid career and late career professionals. And by the way, we can talk about whether you should leave your job and do real estate full time or not. Mm -hmm. I'm very thankful for my W2. Yeah. I won't say I haven't dreamed of, of just doing real estate investing full-time and maybe we'll do that someday. But uh, right now I, um, I'll talk I'm, you into it, Matt. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that one for now, but um, what, you know, so mid career folks just have a few advantages. It may be too late, but they have some advantages. They may yes. have a lot of vacation days stored up. Mm. They can use those strategically if they're willing to take that social hit if their work maybe doesn't look kindly on it, but they have those days, they need to overcome that mental barrier if they're committed to doing something um, like acquiring assets, but they can do it. Um, so vacation days, um, they may have more time freedom. If you're a mid-manager or senior person in an organization, you may have more, you may have the ability to decide when you do your work and how, you know, how, how you take the, that time throughout your day as long as you're, um, as long as you're, you know, covering all your bases, and then um, what else? What else for for mid and late career? You may have a stronger savings position uh, with which to take down your first few deals. Yep. Um, those like are just IRA, some IRAs and four hundred one ks. Yep. 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 And so those are just a few examples. But I I really think that you know, like I said, and you said that I was able to do in a little bit of an accelerated fashion. Yeah. Uh, Till I ran out of cash, let's be honest. Um, I'm not out of cash, but I have an emergency cash. But I, what I mean by that is, wow, the, the next level of, of real estate investing is, is OPM, other people's money. Mm -hmm. and so you, you're thinking about syndications? I am. And um, so I invested, um, my one deal that's not a short-term rental is a, um, is a syndication. I'm a limited partner mm. uh, and it's commercial. And my other real love, and going forward, my two-pronged real estate approach is short-term rentals, which I love, mm -hmm. and commercial real estate, not limited to the small market I live in, but Eastern United States, larger markets. So I actually spend most of my real estate time now laying the groundwork for a couple of years. Um, I have a mentor, and um, it really is exciting. So commercial properties, that for me is uh, retail. So think about um, shopping centers, not malls, and then um, industrial flex space. So think about like some part of the city that you're not, most people don't go to, but there may be brick buildings and they have warehouse you know, engineers, engineers, HVAC firms, things yeah, like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I think commercial, that's sort of like the, the natural next step. You, you know, you're, you're the expert on short-term rentals. And so now you're, you're thinking of scaling is what you're saying, right? Like you want to scale into bigger, better deals by using syndications as a tool to gather cash from other folks and then bring it together um, to get into bigger deals. Yeah. Precisely. Dude, and I'm the same. 
Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I'm the same. Like, you know, the natural way to grow and scale with real estate investing, you're going to run, you're going to quote unquote run out eventually, right? Like of your own personal funds. And, and I think maybe this is a limiting belief for me, but I'm like, I don't want to partner with anybody. Like, I just want to keep doing my own thing. Right. Totally. And keep the so, equity. And keep the equity. But there is a limit. There is a, there is a, a, a wall that you hit at some point where it's like, wait, I could take this cash and put it and pull it into a bigger deal. And then my net worth skyrockets from that. Right. So yeah, I, it's, it's definitely a limiting belief I personally have, but um, if you get through that, man, we need to talk more about it because I want to know how you got, how you mentally got through that and how I, and how I could do it too. <laughs> so, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of, it is mental and it's practical and, and there's also like skill. It's all of those three. So, yeah. yeah. So I know you're um, I know you're a systems guy according to you know, what you've shared with me. Tell me more about the systems that have served you around short-term rentals and Airbnbs. Excellent. So um, um, what's, what can we talk about with systems? Um, system, I use systems to hopefully become more efficient and save my time. And as we mentioned earlier, nobody wants to create new jobs for themselves. Just an example is, you know, when you're new at something, I've, I've been in other areas of life. I've been in academia and, you know, overseas kind of government service. I'm not, a, I don't have a degree in business, mm -hmm. but I have to learn as I go. And so, and there's so much to learn, but you can't ask others to do it for you. You have to slog through it. So even after I had a few Airbnbs, um, I had not set up automatic messaging yet mm. it was just one of those hurdles and i assigned myself like a two-week time period and i'm just going to figure that out and that was like my side project for two weeks maybe it would take somebody else less time you know i youtubed up on it <laughs> and then moved over to the airbnb platform and and i had a, a couple of friends especially one friend he just uh provided me what he does and then um created those those automatic messages on Airbnb. So, um, you know, pre-booking inquiry response, mm. post-booking response, two days before you arrive, the day after you've started staying in Airbnb and the day before you leave. Okay. And all through, all through Airbnb and text messages or just the platform itself? Thankfully, the platform developed that a year ago. And so it does cool. it for you. I don't have to use third-party software. You used to have to. Mm. And I remember the, the week after I did that, the weekend after I set that up, and again, thanks and kudos to my, my, one of my mentors in Airbnb uh, for the tips, okay? We, none of us are like uh, an island and we don't really come up with this stuff, but we, and I'm thankful. But the weekend that I had all that set up, I had three Airbnbs running. And it was the quietest weekend I had had an Airbnb. I didn't hear <laughs> a peep from a mouse. And then like on Sunday night, I got this text on my iPhone. Thank you so much. We agree. It was a great time or something like that. And I'm like, I didn't send anybody an email. <laughs> I didn't send anybody a text. And then I went and I looked because it doesn't even, it doesn't, your phone doesn't even beep when Airbnb is sending your automatic messages. It knows you want to be left alone. Wow. So I was just thankful, like, oh, thank you for the compliment. And I'm glad I answered all your all your questions. <laughs> so, 
Meanwhile, yeah, the I system mean, is just like automatically doing it for you. Yeah, that's um, that's awesome. It's like setting expectations for you know, I I want to make this a five star. I'm new at this. My goal is to make this a five star experience. Please let me know anything I can do that I should have done or left out. Mm. Um, you know, that's in like the day after they arrive. Um, you're setting. You're also putting some nuggets in there and some sort of like um, social conditioning for that five star right. word. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then the night before they leave, thank you. Know, I hope you had an awesome time. I can't wait to see you again. And um, I'm looking forward to leaving you a review. Mm. So a little bit of like back and forth accountability, just things I learned. Um, my reviews, I had, um, I had uh, 100% five-star reviews uh, since I started doing that this summer. I mean, I have great places, super, super clean. Yeah. Um, well appointed, but anyhow, I, I'm just saying that I, all those things together also reduced my time. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. The, I mean, I'm the same way, man. Like if, if a system can replace the stuff that I, first of all, hate doing, cause that's like a pain in the ass to do and send those messages by themselves. Um, then it just you makes your life. Them. Yeah. It just yeah. makes your life easy. And, you know, you with Airbnb, there's a lot of moving pieces too, right? You have your cleaning, you have your property management, you have vendors potentially that you have to call for broken things or whatever, repairs, maintenance, etc. So that's huge. Um, I did kind of want to transition a little bit into more of a, it sounds like, you know, into more of a legacy thing, right? So, you know, in the in the context of, you know, too late for real estate, what's Mm -hmm. that sort of what's the sort of legacy and this might be a deeper question for you to figure out, right? And maybe you don't know it yet. It's okay. Um, what's sort of the legacy or maybe education or something that you wish you knew, say, when you were, you know, a kid and you're a teenager or 18 or 20 or whatever, that you wish you knew earlier that you want to pass on to a future generation of your family or your friends or somebody to make an impact on their life? What would that be? Right. So, I mean, the deeper, deeper legacy questions have to do for me with God being something important in your life. Um, but when I think about business, um, the deep, you know, the legacy I wish I could get people to understand now at whatever place they are in their life is the difference between an asset and a liability. And Amen, brother. <laughs> trying, trying to pass that book out. um and it's funny the people it's funny that the people you love won't won't read it and won't listen uh i'm thinking of rich dad poor dad right now yeah yeah i knew i i knew bro i i picked up on that right away so yeah (laughs) and and so yeah um, and even if you shove it down their throats and it's like hey you need to read this like take take like a like 10 pages a day and mm -hmm. just that's all you have to do read the freaking book and take the moment to understand that the stuff that you're buying is actually liabilities. That car that you're driving is a freaking liability. Buy a real asset that puts cash in your pocket. And it's such a simple concept, right? Yeah. But, but what I mentioned earlier was like, if that person isn't mentally ready for it, mindset wise, then they're not going to take the actions aligned to that. Mm -hmm. So I, dude, I struggle with it too, with family members and friends. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's something that, I feel very strongly about it, apparently. So, um, anyway, sorry, I cut you off there. You were, you were saying, um, so to give, to give that book away, go ahead. And yeah. Continue. And, and, you know, you have to add to that education, 
the encouragement that time is your ally, time is your friend. I mean, anybody who did what I did, if you could do it when you're 20 or 25, mm. you know, and then and then just keep leveraging the fruits of your assets into more assets. That's what we want people to understand. And it's that goal. I mean, and that changes the way you see careers. Like um, I have a daughter and um, I wish, 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 although I'm going to support her in whatever she wants to do. And I'm not going to like sidetrack her or say you should do some other business. No way. Whatever her dream is, I'll, I'll support. But I do wish that the whole world now, I wish, could see the difference between trading your time for money and building a portfolio of assets that work for you. That's what I wish, but I can't. So we just keep trying one at a time and, and keep doing what you're doing, Rich, with getting these yeah. yeah, man. I mean, there are some people that just don't get it yet. And that's what I'm, that's why I do these things, right? That's why I do these things because I'm trying to make humanity better yeah. right? by providing information that they can use, but information is just part of it, right? It's, it's the action to your point earlier. It's like this guy right here, whoever's listening, this freaking guy right here is an action taker. You're not going to get anywhere if you just learn, learn, learn and not do shit. Right. right? And cool. so you have to take the action. And so, um, but that didn't come easy to you, right? Like that, that wasn't just like maybe a natural thing, maybe. So tell me how that, like, where did that come from? Like, what was it something you maybe, I don't, I'm assuming you didn't grow up with that, right? Which thing? The action. No, I've always, I was the first scion male of both families. I'm being, I'm trying to be humorous. <laughs> like, like I was the awaited child of grand, both sides. I had ants toting me around since the since the beginning thinking i was the you know the firstborn and so i've always had a high confidence high level of confidence okay so i think action taking no problem mm. being a person who says i'm not going to go join that firm i'm going to start my own or or i'm not going to join that group i'm going to start a group it's always been something that i just actually naturally gravitate to not with great success or anything like that not with uh, notoriety but just the fact that I, that's, that does come naturally to me. I'm not sure why. Good. No, that's great, man. I, I, uh, for me, I definitely have to remind myself like by listening to 10 X rule or listening to some motivational thing to be like, Hey, cause there is a difference between being and doing right. Like doing, like doing is important, but if you're not doing the stuff that's actually moving the needle, then you're just right. busy. You're just sort of busy, right. It's like busy work. And I can't stand just like having busy work all the time. Totally. So you know, for me, it's like 80, 20, 20% of the things that I should, I know, I know I should be doing. I do, for example, finding deals, analyzing deals, putting offers on properties, negotiating contracts, right? Those are to me are like the top things that are going to move the needle because it's increasing the net worth. It's increasing, you know, the ability to buy more properties. So yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah, man, that's great. I just want to say your most important next step or however you want to, you know, categorize, you know, those priorities, it all ties into goal setting. It all ties into your plan, whether it's five year, three year, with a one year, with a monthly, with your weekly and daily, however you do it. There's lots of, um, as you know, there's so many good um, approaches to goal setting, but it should come down to moving the needle, like you said. And I think for me, while I had action taking and maybe as part of my personality, I think I can say that, 
but it took me the longest time to find what I was passionate about. And, and it took me the longest time in a professional sense to find um, what the job or the work uh, or the challenge that I wake up in the morning and I'm like, this is not work. This is pure fun. And so I do hope, I do hope <laughs> to be able to keep doing it. That's it, man. Once you find the thing, yeah, it doesn't feel like work anymore. Okay. And, and I know it's hard for people to understand that, but mm-hmm. once they, once they see it, they're like, okay, like yeah. it, it, it just all works, you know? Um, yeah. But you have to, I mean, for me, like I have to, tr- I had to try a lot of things before I got into real estate. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like a trial and error, learn yeah. as you go. Yeah. You know, props and, to you, Rich, for, for <laughs> thanks, you, man. sticking with it till you, um, you got where you are now. Thank you, brother. I'm still going. I'm still going, baby. (laughs) Yeah. We might have to do some deals with some syndications, but anyway. Let's do it. Let's do it. Not too late. late. (laughs) That's right. Not too late. Let's go. Um, And I do want to go up there, man, because I I actually have never been to Outer Banks. Come on up. Yeah. So I got to stop up there for real. Like I want to make a point of going up there and checking it out. So now I know know a guy. (laughs) Come on up. Thank you, brother. Um, So we're kind of on the end here. Um, Is there anything else that you wanted to kind of bring up or talk about before we kind of wrap up? Um, I, let me look real quick. If not, um, we could just maybe, yeah, we could just maybe talk about how listeners can reach out to you. Like what's the best, what's the best way, you know, folks can reach out, whether it's, you know, Instagram, email, whatever. So too late for real estate. There's no, there's nothing cute or funny about the two. It's just T-O-O using proper English grammar. So too late for real estate at too late for real estate in uh, Instagram. And that's probably where I'm the most active. And then the Facebook one basically is the same, the same content. And that's, that's where I like to, to try to get to know folks and, and follow each other and, and communicate. Awesome. Well, Matt, it's been a pleasure, brother. Thank you for being on. Thank you so much, Rich. Thanks for having me. Look forward to uh, seeing you in about two weeks. That's it. Let's get it. All right, man. (laughs)